eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win! Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown! Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein, who is on the ground in Green Bay this week, uh, was able to attend the Wednesday joint practice between the Packers and the Saints. So Perry, this is your show and I'm just living in it, living vicariously <laughs> through your Twitter feed. Yeah, um, I am in Green Bay currently, um, literally like staring at the stadium as we speak. Um, we got to see the Saints, second Saints joint practice yesterday and then have the preseason game. If you're listening to this, it's probably already Friday. So tonight we're recording Thursday afternoon. Um, and yeah, I got to, got to witness practice. I will say that there were more people at a practice than I've ever seen, like in, my life. It was probably like 5,000 people at practice yesterday. Um, so due to that, I did not get the seat that I wanted and I really was only able to watch offense. So we can talk a little bit about the defense cause I did get to see them in the two minute drills, but, um, my observations were mostly from the Packers offense. Yeah. So let's, I guess, where do you want to start with the offense? Because, you know, there were some, uh, some consensus observations, I guess, from the people that were there. So maybe let's start with Jordan Love. Is that okay? Sure. The man um, of the hour? Yeah, Jordan Love definitely had, I would give him, like, if there was a game ball for practice, like, Jordan Love gets the game ball. Um, he just looks, everyone's been saying this, and then I wanted to see how I felt about it in person. But to be honest, like, he just, there's something about him this season that looks different. Um, and I don't know exactly how to put my finger on it, but there's a comfort and a swagger about him that is just greater than especially last season and his decisiveness during all of practice 
it's just on point. Like he doesn't look like he's thinking as much as he used to, which is good. You want the game to slow down for him. You want him to be able to hit, hit the guys he needs to. Um, and I was thinking about it yesterday and I feel like there is probably a part of him that can't feel like he can grow into a leader because 12 is there. Right. And obviously 12 is the leader of this team, but there is that, there's like that air about him. They're like very like leadershipy air, like the way he carries himself. He looks like he fits next to Rogers with that kind of like presence about him. Um, I had a really nice day, really, really nice day. I mean, he was, um, for those who don't know, actually, maybe I can break down practice a little bit, but it starts with some just very like individual um, position group drills. So the running backs will get some work in with the quarterbacks, the wide receivers will get some work in tight ends too. And then they kind of break off into their own sections and work out by themselves with the coaches and they'll come together then to do, um, they didn't do like one-on-ones with the saints. They did more one-on-ones individually. And then the saints came in after they got some time just as the Packers, I think it was about like, I want to say like 45 minutes. Um, and then the saints came in, um, and then they did some, some, um, I guess like not 11 on 11, but just some work against the Saints defense. Um, and they were rotating in and out ones, twos, um, and Rogers would play quarterback with ones, Jordan with the twos, obviously. And then at the end of practice, there's the two minute drills. And, um, the only, <laughs> the only team that scored in the two minute drill was when Jordan Love was quarterbacking the offense he had an absolutely stunning, like, 50-yard deep ball to Samori Toure, um, who caught it in the back of the end zone, and then hit Toure also on the, t- uh, the two-point conversion. Um, and it was a really sick catch. It's actually, like, right, kind of right in front of me. He, like, bobbled it a little bit and then caught it right, right in the corner. Um, so the only one that got to score against the Saints defense was um, was Jordan Love. And, of course, neither Saints quarterback could score against the Packers defense. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to circle back to what you're saying about Jordan Love because I think that's a really unique and interesting perspective that I don't think we've maybe talked about that much. Um, you know, holistically is just the idea that Jordan Love is coming into year three of his team. And when you think about quarterbacks going into year three, most of the time these are starters or these are players like Trey Lance where they sat for a year, even like Mahomes and Alex Smith, where you give them a little bit of time to sit And then the reins are handed over. And for the entirety of Jordan Love's career, you know, and yes, his draft situation was a little bit different going into the situation that he's in, knowing Rodgers wasn't retiring or getting traded right away. Um, It really did kind of mirror, you know, the Favre dynamic where there's this young guy that maybe deserves to be handed the reins at some point. And I'm not saying that with Aaron Rodgers winning two MVPs back to back, but, you know, it's got to be hard to feel like you are theoretically going to be a leader of an offense and how that looks for you and how that operates when you're not actually able to command the offense and the meetings and the huddle and the way that you would, you know, yeah. you can practice that, but it, it definitely feels different than it would if he was the guy and knew he was the guy. Yeah. You have to be like a little deferential to Rogers, which makes sense. Um, but at the same time, like you want the guys to respect you and to look up to you and to listen to you Um and he seems to have a really nice relationship. Obviously, I'm not down there on the field, but you can tell. I mean, him and Rogers definitely have like a nice little rapport. They joke, they high five each other when they they're switching in and out of who's you know QB during drills. And um, 
Jordan definitely has, you can tell, a good relationship with certain guys. I mean, we've talked about Josiah DeGuara before, but um, I think, like, play of the day besides his 50-yard ball. Um, oh, it was Rodgers, actually, that that hit Josiah DeGuara over the middle. That was probably the play of the day for me. But um, the love had a, had some nice time with him. Same with, like, Samori Toure, who's look, looking at dubs. So it's fun to see him with some of the guys that, likely he'll be playing with um but he was taking some snaps with what you would consider to be like you know the ones of, mm-hmm. of the receivers they're very much like rotating the receivers in and out um so I was impressed with him I'm certainly impressed with him um not to skip too far ahead because I know we're going to talk about the preseason and in, in real depth but while we're on love I mean I just want to see I want to see what I saw in practice in a game you know like mm-hmm. There was just – I'm trying to find, like, the right words <laughs> to describe it. And decisive is the only way I can. But just I want to see him really, like, sling it. Like, mm-hmm. let the ball out. Just read what's in front of you. Hit the guy that's open. There was one moment in practice where he kind of rolled – I don't know if it was a designed rollout for practice to practice that or if it was just the way that things kind of developed with the Saints defense. But he had a really nice rollout, um, and the receiver just dropped it. It wasn't Love's fault. But just, like, those are the kinds of things that – I feel like you saw on tape at Utah that he was really good at. It was those like kind of off script plays and you can see him starting to like get in the habit of like just reading what's in front of him, trying to hit the open guys. So I just want to see that a little bit um, at the preseason game Friday night. Yeah. And maybe that's a good, a good launching point then for the rest of the wide receivers, because you mentioned Samori Toure looked really good. I know, you know, some of the, the indicators out of camp was that uh, Dobbs had like a human kind of day, which, you know, we realized finally that he's not the second coming of Megatron and he will occasionally, you know, drop some passes in his rookie season, but, um, or go ahead. It looks like you're, I was, I was going to say yes, but also Rogers was off. Um, like, I know that we're so used to him being perfect, but Rodgers like, definitely missed a couple throws in practice, and some of those were to Dobbs. So, like, I wouldn't put it all on him. Okay. That's, yeah. We like that perspective from the uh, the eyes that are actually Yeah, because I was right in front of the offense. That's all I watched. Um, I was very sad to not get to see my, my guys on the other side of the ball too much, but um, – the way that they're running it, it's very, very clear. Like what they're saying in their media availability is what's happening on the field. I mean, the top three receivers clearly with Rodgers are Lazard, Cobb, and Sammy Watkins. And Watkins had a really nice practice. Um, there was one like insane contested catch in like the back of the end zone. He like fell over and I didn't know if he was going to be able to keep the ball um and he just like got up with it against the Saints defenders and everyone went absolutely insane it was for a touchdown um so you can tell that that relationship with Rodgers is like really really building when they were doing it all together with the running backs and the wide receivers and the tight ends you could see Rodgers searching for Tunyon too like that level of like security blanket um he was definitely looking for him and Tunyon looks good um if you want to talk really quickly about some of the injured guys it was really hard for me to tell if some of the the guys that we know have injuries are injured I mean Tony looks great and same with Christian Watson Christian Watson was cutting and they didn't put him in in any drills that involved the Saints defenders like he did not get touched by a Saints defender once 
but he looked great and he was fielding kick returns and punt returns, which was like a new development. So that was really interesting. But again, I'm not a doctor, but to my like naked untrained eye, if I didn't know that Watson had a knee injury, I definitely would not have been able to tell. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of what you're saying is why the preseason is so important, especially when we're looking at kind of figuring out the depth chart, because, you know, we talked a lot about Romeo Dobbs and even the impact like Christian Watson could make when he comes back and he's healthy. And, you know, you said it best, you know, the three wide receivers that have Aaron Rodgers' attention right now are the vets. It's Lazard, Cobb and Sammy Watkins. And we kind of knew that, right? That's how Rodgers has always operated. And it's not to say that Dobbs and Watson won't see the field because I think that they will get their opportunities. Rodgers had even said like, we're going to need some of these guys later on in the season. These are guys that are going to have to step up for us. But, you know, I think Deguara can have a good season, but there are the comfort guys and, you know, Rodgers doesn't just, you know, hyperbolize things. He, he says, Randall Cobb is one of the premier slot receivers in the league because he's throwing Randall Cobb the, the ball in the slot. He's not, you know, anointing Amari Rogers, the new slot receiver. Like these are his guys. Tunyon's going to get taken care of. All these guys are going to get taken care of in the Rogers offense. Yeah, it's true. And it's so funny. Like you're right. Like what Rogers preaches to media that we hear, he practices it on the field. I mean, he's looking for his guys. And if he's targeting you multiple times, it means he expects something of you, right? So I know that a couple of days ago, he had those comments about he didn't feel like the young receivers were really stepping up to the plate. And before yesterday's practice, I guess they had a meeting with him. And it sounded to be, from what they said, to be really fruitful and productive, et cetera. And you could tell on the field during practice, the guys were just putting in that extra effort with him for sure. Trying not to, you know, have the drops and be sloppy. Now, naturally there were a lot of incompletes and I have to say like some of that was Rogers felt off. Maybe the receivers were running wrong routes. I don't know what they were calling. Um, But he was certainly giving them the opportunities when it came to being targeted. Right. So Dobbs got plenty of targets. Winfrey had a bunch of targets. I think Rogers has a thing for him. Like, I, I think Rogers really likes him because he had two, not just one, two like sliding touchdown catches um, for him that were really, really impressive. And you could tell Rogers was looking his way when it came to it. You mentioned Deguara, and I said before, like the play of the day potentially for Rogers at least was a pretty legit um, catch over the middle. Josiah was up against Demario Davis um, and he got really great separation. It was a beautiful ball. Um, and, you know, they, they just like kind of touch. There's no tackling. They just like, touch. So I don't know how far it would have gone in, um, in an actual game, but it was beautiful. So he's giving the guys those opportunities. So I think when you hear him make those comments, it's not like he's saying that from a place where like, okay, now they're going to get shunned because I'm mad at them. Like this is, I want them to step up. And I'm going to give them the opportunity in order to do that. Yeah. And just really quickly before we shift to the defense, because I know you didn't get to watch him in full, but there's plenty to talk about still with the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Rogers has an eye for that kind of stuff, right? Like we saw it with Alan Lazard where he said during the Lions game at Lambeau a couple seasons ago, like give him some opportunities. And then Lazard had like a career game, this un, you know, unknown guy and his all white uh, Packers jersey under the lights where Rogers says like, I want to get this kid on the field and give him some looks. So I'm sure Winfrey kind of is in that same vein or guys like Dobbs 
Toure, Danny Davis even. I know he left practice with an injury, but, you know, Rodgers picks up on that kind of stuff. And when it's love running the two-minute offense, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is watching everything that these guys are doing to see who deserves to come in and get some of those reps with the ones. Yeah, it's it's true. Um, he does have this like omnipresence to him, where you can like you always know where twelve is. Even though there obviously were six guys in red jerseys because Saints quarterbacks too. Like you know where twelve is at all times. Um, he's also quite loud. I don't know if it's just like being close to the field, but like you can hear him. He's like very audible. Um, the only other thing that I would say about the offense before we switch is running backs are having really really tough day um I don't know if the Saints front is just going to be very good which is totally a possibility or whatever they were calling the offensive line could not create any holes like I mean they were just absolutely struggling um really I mean Jones always looks good I felt like he wasn't no wasn't out there as much but it it felt like they were giving more opportunities to everyone behind Aaron Jones um, but the only one who could really do anything was AJ Dillon. I mean, there was one where it was just stuff, stuff, stuff. And then AJ comes in and just like bursts through the Saints defensive front. And you're like, yeah, well, that's that's AJ. Um, so that's my only thought. But that I think felt more like an offensive line issue than a running back issue. Um, just because you brought it up really quickly, I do just want to talk about the fact that Aaron Rodgers said that both he expects that AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones could each have 50 receptions or more, oh, yeah. which is nuts because Aaron Jones had 52 in 2021 and AJ Dillon had 34. So seeing those numbers increase, you know, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it when we talk about who we're watching in the saints preseason game, but that third running back spot, I think will still be important, but I think we're going to see a lot of pony package in 2022 from LaFleur where we have two pass catching backs out of the backfield to give this offense another layer um, since you know, we're not sure what the the receiving core is going to look like or how that those battles are going to shake out. But yeah, I think what he meant by that is like he wants like the best guys out there. Yeah. And like you and I have been saying this all along, like that means both Jones and Dylan. Um, I don't think fifty catches is like really that high to Mm-mm. be honest. Like it's not really any different from what they've been doing the past couple of seasons with both of them. Um, so when, cause Andy and I were calculating that actually, when, when we saw that come out, we were like, well, that's only like, if Jones doesn't miss a game and if AJ catches like 12 more catches, so maybe a catch like per game more, it just feels very, very feasible that they'll surpass that. Oh yeah. All right. So let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. I know you said you got to see some of the two minute, but you know, even if you want to just segue into, you know, your observations from camp or guys you're, you know, hoping to see more from against the Saints. Um, yeah, defense is fun. There's definitely like, again, just getting like in-person vibes uh, is kind of also part of what camp is, right? And defense just has an energy about them that's very, very different from ever before. Um, there's just like a swag and a almost like, projection of like we know we're going to be amazing um speaking of Rashawn Gary is you want to talk about someone who's grown into a leadership role I mean again like just a presence on that side that just you'd always know where Rashawn is so yeah that's just my observation about Rashawn um he's just a good teammate like anytime anyone makes a play he's out there like hyping them up there was a little a little fight um I didn't get to see what happened but it got broken up very very quickly and otherwise there wasn't too much like a lot of smack talk I mean that defense is 
sure paying at them, um, which is fun because when you know you're good, I feel like you can do that. Um, a couple of my other observations on defense is guys look good. Like they look like they spent the off season getting like trimmed up. Like when people say Kenny Clark is slim, like Kenny Clark looks unbelievable. Same with Devondre Campbell. I mean, he's a big dude, but he's in insane shape. Um, and Rashawn definitely got, got bigger. So just overall that defense is rock solid. And I mean, they couldn't, again, Jameis Winston wasn't playing, right? So I don't know if it would have been different if they really had QB one out there for the saints, but they couldn't do anything in two minutes. I mean, nothing, like nothing was getting by them. The only thing was Chris Olave had a lovely catch against Jair Alexander. So do with that what you will. Um, I think Olave is like the real deal from very limited reps that I saw, but otherwise there was just sack, sack, pressure, pressure, like just made the lives of the secondary very easy. Um, mostly Jair was on Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas didn't have a single catch in two minutes, but it's very quick, right? Like it's, well, definitely we'll see more of this in the preseason game. And I think, you know, we should be watching, but the amount of like pressure and just would have had probably like five or six sacks in, in the two minute drills from, from both the ones and the twos. It's, it's at all levels of this Packers defense that they're incredibly disruptive. Yeah. I think that's, that's, what's really fun too, is, you know, your observations, seeing the ones, because we're not going to see them or we're assuming we're not going to see them against the saints. So seeing Jair and Rasul and Stokes and Kenny and Rashawn and all these guys chirping and having the success that they're having in Devondre, you know, knowing that they're likely not going to be on the field on Friday, it's nice to see them against that same level of competition because I think it was Alan Lazard said, you know, you go against your same team every day and it almost becomes mechanical where yes, there's a point where you're still learning and you're still benefiting. Like Alan Lazard's going to benefit every single time he goes up against Jair Alexander, regardless of whether or not that's his teammate. But there is something nice about seeing a fresh defense, fresh looks, you know, schemes that you're not prepared for and how you combat that. So really cool to hear, you know, that kind of impression coming out of the ones, even though, you know, it was only some short two minute drills, um, but gives you a lot of confidence going into that week one game against the Vikings, knowing the kind of offense that the Vikings can field. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the key for this defense, if I'm, you know, honing in on one is this front is not going to give you any easy answers. And if you do happen to get the ball out, you're going to have some really tough coverage in the back end to like go up against. So just everything about this team is built for speed and built to take you down. Um, I love Quay and Devondre Campbell together on the inside. I mean, those are two really, really big athletic bodies that can move like move. I mean, Andy told me, Andy Harmon told me like when you see Quay Walker in person, you're gonna be like, Oh, that's a football player. And yeah, like that's, that's a football player. So just at every level, I think they've done an incredible job of making the defense faster. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's one of those things too, that even Brian Gutekunst has talked about, you know, them wanting to address because Ted Thompson had thresholds and Goody even made a joke at one point about like, I think it was with Rico Gafford. Like, yeah, he might not have met, you know, the previous GM's idea of, you know, the thresholds we want for a corner. But when you see him out there and he runs a 4-2-2, you're like, okay, I get it. So just seeing the way that this defense has had to respond to a lot of adversity 
in games that we don't need to talk about on this episode of the show. Um, the idea that they're getting faster, especially in the middle of the defense, um, they already did it with Campbell. They already were, you know, trending in the right direction, but to add a guy like Quay to that is really exciting. And um, maybe now we shift to the preseason game because hopefully some of these guys that we're talking about, hopefully we'll see some Quay. Devontae Wyatt, I would think, will be able to play now that he's kind of cleared the the concussion concerns that he had. So excited to see what a lot of these young guys can do on the defensive side of the ball that maybe didn't have as many looks against the 49ers. Yeah, definitely. I think this is going to be a big game for some guys. I think you and I talked about this offline, but I just felt like like the secondary and those depth pieces in the secondary didn't really show us all that much in the first preseason game. Maybe like Gafford fell and maybe had a couple of nice plays, but I think this is like the chance to really step up. I think especially for guys like Vernon Scott, you know, or KB and Ento or the guys that are on the fringe that could literally pull themselves into um, a nice rotational role, Shamar John Charles, right? They need this game again um, to say, okay, like I'm, I'm worthy of not just making this roster, but of getting like legitimate playing time in that, you know, fourth cornerback or third safety spot. Um, I do hope that Devonte Wyatt plays mostly because again, I didn't get to see the defense. So I'd really like to spend the preseason game, maybe watching that a little bit more closely. And it would be nice to see him because I do think it's really hard to assess, especially like defensive linemen in practice. You're not really tackling. You're not allowed to sack the quarterback. So it's really hard to actually evaluate how productive they're going to be. And like, you know, Kenny Clark and you know, a couple of guys who are getting like good pressures and like two minute drills and things like that. But other than that, it's, it's almost nearly impossible to gauge what they're going to be like, especially for a guy like Devonta Wyatt, who's going to be more of like a run stuffing you know, nose tackle defensive end to start with. Like pressuring isn't even really his his first like strong suit. So um, it should be good to see him out there because like, you know, Kingsley or JJ, I guess he goes by Agnabare. Like he didn't do anything in camp apparently until the preseason game. Now all of a sudden he's making plays everywhere. So you never know too if like game speed makes something click. Yeah. And I, I put this on Twitter, but it was something I wanted to get, you know, your perspective on too, is like what I'm most looking for this second preseason game is the play of the defensive line. And we talked about, you know, we'll have a full show about this before the chiefs game, where we talk about guys that are on the bubble or maybe who will latch on to some of these final undecided spots, but the defensive line is stacked. You know, we talked about this maybe being a position of weakness the last couple seasons for the Packers, just as far as depth is concerned. Kenny Clark, you know, until they clone him, is only one guy. So what his support looks like has always kind of been up in the air. Dean Lowry happened to have his best season this past season. So that was a benefit to the line. But, you know, then they bring in Jaron Reed and they draft Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton comes in and, you know, we're expecting him to have a good sophomore season. So all of a sudden that's five defensive linemen that are basically roster locks. Then you have Chris Slayton and Jack Heflin that have really fantastic first preseason games. Jack Heflin led the defense in solo tackle. Chris Slayton led the defense in combined tackles. And, you know, I was just curious, like, what the defensive line room has looked like for the Packers the last couple seasons. And historically, they're keeping six. They kept five in 2020, but the last couple seasons, they've kept six defensive linemen. So you think about the competition there for what's likely one roster spot between those two guys. And just, I think there's going to be a lot of really intense battles over these next two preseason games to figure out, you know, inside linebacker three and four. We think we know who those guys are, but... 
there's a lot of players who are making plays like Kobe Jones being a name that I don't think a lot of fans were even considering. And all of a sudden he's lighting things up. Right. No, it's true. And this is the time when like, if you're on that fringe of a position that, you know, there's locks, you just have to make the most of all of your opportunities. And whether that's in practice or in the preseason game, whenever you get, you know, your number called, like that's, that's just what you have to do. Um, well, like, you know, all the coordinators met with the media today and Rich Basaccio was saying like, yeah, Mari played great, but he's still in competition with not only everybody on the roster, but everybody on every other NFL roster who's going to get cut over the next couple of weeks. So sure, Amari Rogers is probably winning, you know, right now, but that's not to say that they're not still keeping eyes on the other 31 teams and what those skill position, you know, those rooms look like. So I think this is just a really this is when it ramps up. You know, the first preseason game is kind of like you're welcome to the NFL for a lot of these guys. And then the second and third games are where you like, you put your stamp on things. So that's, that's why I get more excited for these games. Yeah. It's funny that you say that. Cause like, like I mentioned, Christian Watson was fielding punt returns and, and kick returns. And so was Romeo Dobbs. So there's three guys that I guess they feel like are, you know, in the conversation to rotate through um, and do that. I mean, I have to say, just because you mentioned, like, Amari looks good. Um, definitely moving, just, like, moving a little bit, like, cleaner and faster. Um, and obviously, he is, like, first up when they're doing special team stuff. So it does feel like he, if he keeps on this trajectory, will get the nod for it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we are about to get, like, when roster cuts come down, it's also opportunities for the Packers to bring in guys and Mostly, like you said, for special teams purposes, but everyone's got to do everything they got they got to do in that phase of the game now. Yeah. Any final thoughts, any position groups you're looking at before we wrap up uh, with the Saints game? No, it was just fun to see a joint practice. Definitely like different, very different vibes. Um, it was surprisingly amicable, like very healthy competition is kind of what it felt like. Nothing too over the top. Like I said, no real fights, a couple of skirmishes, lots of smack talk, but that's part of the game. Um, and I thought the Packers did a really nice job of keeping it, you know, somewhat PG, if you will. So it was really fun to see. And like I said, I was watching the Packers. Um, so I didn't really pay attention to what the Saints look like, but they definitely, you know, they have some players. And if Jameis is from Jameis from last year, I think the Saints could be pretty good. Um, but yeah, it was it was very fun to be there, and uh, I'm looking forward to the, being at Lambeau for the preseason game. Yeah, there's nothing better than Lambeau under the lights, and that is what we'll all get to enjoy this Friday when the Packers take on the Saints, 7 p.m. Central Time at Lambeau Field, the only home preseason game for the Packers this year due to the changing preseason schedule. But that is all the time that we have for today's show. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Also, make sure you check out the podcast on Twitch, YouTube, and Instagram at Pax What She Said. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Roster cutdowns are Tuesday um, for the second wave, and then we'll have one more show to talk about the final preseason game Thursday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Go, Paco. Go, Paco. Go, Paco.